Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 383. My name is Brando, and welcome to 2023. 2023. I'm going to be 40 this year. When did that happen? Not until September, so I'm going to hold on to my 30s as long as possible. But how did that happen? Whoa. Uh, I'm here to talk about last year and what's to come this year. So this episode is just you and me. Me and you. So happy together. Sorry, I'm breaking into the, the turtle song. By the way, I this is a a digression with a point that I sing that song to my cats. And I've often wondered, does Axl Rose sing to his cats? He has to. You know he has to, right? Don't we all do that? We all stop being like mature adults when it comes to like little animals. He's got to be like, you know what you are? You're in the litter box, baby. You're going to poop. All right, so I'm losing it. But uh, I guess that kind of goes with this year, 2023. I'm going to be more myself, more confident in who I am. It's always been a battle with me, confidence which is certainly a very difficult thing to battle in this very public career of radio. But I've enjoyed it. So I figured for this episode, go back to basics, just me and the microphone talking to you. And by the way, they they say that when you first start out in radio, that you want to talk to one person, make it sound like you're talking to one person. Although I am so grateful I have more than one listener. <laughs> I'm getting kind of a a hard-earned, I don't want to say wake-up call. It was to be expected, but you may have noticed I also launched a, a spinoff podcast, Appetite for Horror, and there are six episodes up already, and the numbers are okay for a new podcast, but certainly not what Appetite for Distortion is, which is still, we are still nothing compared to you know, I, I don't want to say Joe Rogan because he's the, the highest of all the highs, but we have a nice little fan base here on Appetite for Distortion. And I want to keep that. I want to keep growing that because I'm always getting them still. There are many of the loyal ones that have been here since episode one, but I'm always getting messages. Oh, I just found you. I just found you. I'm catching up. So we're, we have not hit our peak. Like not even close to it. We got to tell more people about us so they can find us. But... Now I go back. So this past year has been interesting, to say the least, for me. I hope it's been a, it was a good one for you. Uh, they say, you know, new year, new me. But there are things about last year I want to take with me. And there's some things that I don't. I think that can be said for, for all of us. For one, the thing that I don't want to take with me, and I'm only a few days away from getting rid of it, is my lisp. So you may remember, it's been a year. Last January... Stupidly, I was driving in bad weather. I've driven in bad weather so many times in my life, but I should consider different things now that I was traveling with my wife, not taking certain risks. Not like I was driving dangerous per se, but black ice, you never know. We are very lucky that all I did, uh, all we did was uh, total the car 
she had some bruising from the airbags, which is what you want. And I broke my tooth and my glasses. Uh, so that was fun. And I used to bust a lip. I looked like a mess. I, I really did. Chipped a tooth. Uh, so it's taken a year to get a tooth implant. I have the screw in there now. So visualize that. Uh, so it's the amount of how long it takes to heal. And when you're able to do it, the bone has to form around the screw. Uh, incredible stuff. But the fact that it's taken a year. So... As I'm recording this, uh, it is January 2nd. So, yeah, I'm going to have my appointment to finally get my freaking front tooth back. Not even like it was a back tooth. No, it's it's how I say things with S's and F's. Uh, so, on this Thursday, oh, it's been such a long time coming. It's affected my, my self-esteem, my confidence, which has always been an issue regardless of uh, a front tooth or not. Having a lisp or not. Because... Well, I love doing this podcast with you all. And it affected me. I mean, not, I didn't get messages of being like, oh, what, why do you sound different? Nothing like that. It, I know it was primarily in my head. But when I'm interviewing some really awesome people, like George Thurgood or Dave Mustaine or, you know, people from Skid Row, it's just when people are finding me for the first time, this is not the, the first impression I want to give. Like, who is this? This guy with who's talking like he's, uh, you know, filming a Cable Guy sequel. Like, who is this guy? But that's how what I would think about. And I mentioned my glasses because as I do, not this episode per se, but I did, I've been doing many a Zoom and I was at my backup glasses for a while. And th- again, this is how my brain thinks. It, the glare was so bad. Like every episode you see me with my backup glasses, it just looks like I have two lights for eyes. Like it just, it bothered the hell out. It would be distracting for me. Because again, a first impression for somebody finding appetite for distortion for the first first time. Who is this guy who like, it's just, it looks bad. It doesn't sound as good as it can. So that's my thought process. So for so many reasons, I wanted this year to go fast. I wanted to get my tooth back and really hit the ground running again once I... I could speak and look normally again to my eyes. Uh, but it was a good year still. I got married. Uh, I recently moved to, to a nice, a bigger apartment. Apartment that's ours. Apartment where I knew ahead of time that I was going to have to build my own little home studio. Because for the longest time when I was feel, feeling my quarantine doing shows from my apartment as opposed to the radio studio, I'm just on a an Ikea couch with all my equipment on a little Ikea table. And it was kind of awkward. But now I have a desk. I have a desk chair. It's just, it looks like a studio. I'll take more. I've shared a picture on social media. But I'm waiting to put some GNR posters behind me. Uh, to really give the effect. Because it's not, it's not done yet. And I feel like I could still improve it. Uh, improve it. Uh, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But still getting settled in that way. Now I feel comfortable doing these doing a show, like a real show, that I'm not just at home in my pajama pants, which I guess maybe I still am, but still, I'm in a professional chair at a professional desk, and it just looks professional. New glasses, going to get a new tooth. Everything is professional, and I'm just excited for just that part of 2023 to really get into gear. One thing I was hoping to talk to you about, there was a few things I was hoping to talk to you about, because the last episode that we did, 
Uh, we did an, an Australian review. Had some awesome Guns N' Roses fans from Australia come on the show and talk about the the microphone incident and the drone incident and just all the chaos. The quote, you know, I say chaos. This band has been through real chaos. I say so. I say facetiously. The 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 minor things that happened to them on the on the tour. Uh, but I also mentioned, I give a teaser because at that time, uh, Rolling Stone magazine had not put out this article yet about. Rick Dunsford, the band fan. I believe it's called the the article "The Search for a Lost GNR Masterpiece." I believe is the name of the article. And within that episode, I was given a teaser because it, it had it hadn't dropped yet. So now I'm doing a podcast, and I want to talk about that Rolling Stone article that would have dropped like a uh, did drop like a week or so ago. I'm not in it. Bummer very bummer and part of me because I feel like I said like I just want to blurb I wasn't expecting to be featured like that I just so back in March I want to say uh, Rick approached me he's like you know People Magazine they want to do an article about me and Guns N' Roses and leaks and stuff I'm like People Magazine why would they want to do that like they have nothing to do with rock and roll and especially such an obscure story but I found out that he was uh, telling people some of that to kind of cover Rolling Stone's base, like ass in case of, uh, I don't know, the wrong people heard about it and we're just going to start, you know, harassing Rolling Stone and, and kill the article before it even came out. So once uh, I found out it was Rolling Stone, I told Rick, somebody else told me, <laughs> somebody else who was interviewed. Uh, now I'm like, yeah, I, Rolling Stone, I want to be interviewed by Rolling Stone to have my name in there. That would be huge for my self-esteem and the and the podcast to get my name in there it would be huge so and I, and I kept it a secret you know we most of you if you listen to this podcast you know about rick's story i've done episodes with rick that i've had to hide which is the irony of it all that i told this story had rick tell this story a few years ago and through th- threats uh i had to take it down or just uh, make it private and now it's published in Rolling Stone magazine <laughs> just wow I wouldn't believe it I would like it's like it's just you wouldn't believe it just the story itself is crazy but just this getting the story out and all the other variables the story itself was fine if you read it I know a lot of people who found out about this crazy underground uh, that are uh, uh we Guns N' Roses fans make up you know some more toxic than others or just flabbergasted I, I felt like they kind of they painted the picture very well. Um, I, it was very well written. But just knowing what I know, what I've been through, I just feel like some people got off easy. Some of the trolls, some, uh, I don't know. I feel like there were more stories to tell, but I could see how difficult that could be. Because well, I actually did reach out to the the author of the article. I, I wasn't like mad that I wasn't in it. I was more bummed out kind of things disappointed so uh dave uh where's his last name uh dave uh, Piesner, peisner forgive me so he was the author of the article and like i said you know hey great article you know glad you finally got got it out because i know you're working on it for so long kind of bummed i'm not in it but still you know have a great holiday I, that's all i said and he was really nice he said i'm bummed you're not included too he said that that i was in the original draft but once he turned it into the editing process, streamlining, 
and just of a, a very complicated story. So there's a lot of people that are involved in it after that, and things are getting uh, end up on the cutting room floor. But that's the nature of the beast. He said that, and I understand that. And, and that's we're going to get to more of the nature of the beast in a second. Good that he was frustrated with it, but that's the nature of the beast, and I not uncommon. I completely, completely understand all of that, and he didn't even have to explain all of this to me. So David, thank you for just telling me that. But it, it made me feel good that like I'm on the same page. Like I get it. I'm bummed out. But I get it. So, uh, yeah, I, I hopefully maybe I'll make Rolling Stone one day for an interview that I did. Maybe that's the way I want to make Rolling Stone. And it also got me thinking, and somebody mentioned this, maybe I don't want to be associated with that article. Right? And I would be, if people hearing about me for the first time would think I'm just a, I don't know, somebody associated with uh, stealing of leaks and selling in the underground. Uh, so, may, so maybe it's a blessing in disguise that I wasn't included in this article. It was a good experience. Uh, I was, initially, I was a, a, a little peeved. I will admit that. I'm like, oh, I wasted like an hour, hour and a half of my time. Whatever. I would have wasted that time anyway. So no fault to Dave. No fault to Rolling Stone. Read the article if you haven't yet. Um, and, and good for Rick for getting this all off his chest. I know he's a controversial character. I'll say this, and I've, I'll say it again. I don't approve of anything that he did, but I like Rick. I joke with, with him all the time. I'll say it to you, and, and I say it to Rick privately. Hey, if your wife doesn't leave you, hasn't left you for spending all this money on Guns N' Roses, like unfinished songs, bless you. Good for you. I, I don't care. And he's not the one that stole the material. That's completely different. I know it, if we were talking about drugs, you know, he, he, there would be no excuse. He would be in on it. He's buying it. it that's, we're not talking about drugs. <laughs> we're talking about music. And you can go with the morality of it. Of, uh, Axel didn't want these heard. I get it. But Rick being maybe perhaps the most uh, visible, I guess, of all these people that were involved, kind of just got the brunt of the punishment being banned from shows i just think that that's a little that's shitty it's petty stuff sorry fernando i i just think that's lame i i don't know i don't i've never spoken to fernando i don't know his side of it i know that that rick is a little bummed out that their friendship deteriorated because they started out really well so and that's all i can go by i can just go by rick's story so i have no problem with with rick and there's no reason people are like oh you should have rick back on the show why I don't need to. His story's out there. It's been told. There's no reason to, to belabor the point. There's no reason to. So I have no issue with Rick. Although again, I just I never approved of what he did. I thought it was always kind of kind of crazy, you know, the, to to go on these long hour long you know journeys to get these these songs from a storage locker and you know again thousands upon thousands of dollars. And and I'll say that it's funny like this because on a lesser extent. Because his son's name is Axel, right? And I know many of you listening have a similar situation, that you have a son named Axel, or perhaps you have pets. I've, I've talked to many of you, uh, you know, a dog named Axel and Slash and things like that. I'll say this, my son's not going to be named Axel. <laughs> we did think about it. And, and that's just, I'm, I'm making a point of being like, I'm a fan, but sometimes I'll look at other fans and being like, okay, I respect your fandom, but I'm not going to go that far. And this is coming from somebody who made a Guns N' Roses podcast. So it's too on brand. It's too on brand. We even joked about doing uh, Axel Matthews 
because her favorite band is Dave Matthews. It's a cool sounding name, but it's too on brand. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I respect Rick's fandom. Kid named Axel. Uh, he's gotten his story told. He got interviewed by Rolling Stone Pictures. I mean, I know he's. It's been a roller coaster ride. He's not really involved in the GNR fandom uh, community anymore because a lot of people are toxic and say mean things about him. If you think he's, uh, you know, if he wants his 15 minutes or he's doing this for attention, I don't know, man. I think it goes, it's a little similar as far as the attention seeking, for lack of a better term, like with the Australian woman that got hit in the face. She didn't ask for anything. Like her local news went to her when they found out about it. And it's if you're not a public figure and your news wants to interview you about something maybe not that serious, you do it. So I think Rick just had these opportunities and his way of being involved in Guns N' Roses. And, and uh, I don't want to say it backfired, but it's uh, it's been a long journey for him. So hopefully it's finally finished and he can, he can move on from this Rolling Stone article, right? A couple things I do want to mention because I, uh, I also want to move on from certain things and uh, Nature of the Beast. But a lot of people were concerned about how it would make management look. Uh, this this article. That's what I was interested to see too. You know, like oh, once this article comes out, that's it for Team Brazil. I I just think a lot of people just don't have no idea what's going on there, and and I don't even really know what's going on there. But I want to mention this too because people are like, oh, it's going to make Team Brazil look bad. They're not real managers. They're not going anywhere because they are. I've never met them, but they are good people to Axel. Or they've done good things for Axel. And it's an interesting thing that I want to mention because um, the, the soccer icon or the football icon, depending upon uh, what part of the world you live on, uh, Pele recently passed away. I'm not a soccer person, football person, like at all, but I know Pele. Everybody knows Pele. It's like, you know, Babe Ruth, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan. He's even beyond that. Because it's more of a global sport than certainly hockey or anything like that. Uh, so I'm bringing that up. And this is just an interesting thing that I saw uh, that a lot of us saw. So Beta um, posted this on her Instagram. It's a very young Beta and uh, and, and Pele, you know, and, and hugging each other. And this is after he passed, of course. I love you, my friend. You've always been good to me, my family. Helped me get to the U.S. where I am today. And I also met a wonderful human being. You offered me a job in Australia, but it's too far away from my family. So many memories. You are home now, my friend. No more pain. Besides uh, being the king, you were always a great friend. Love you always. I will celebrate you no matter where you are in the universe. You now shine in the skies. It's very sweet. And who would have ever guessed that the icon Pele would have a gun, a six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon, to use my term. Wow, 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 wow. So very cool, Beta, to, to share that story. And I want to mention this, and this is going to segue into uh, what I really need to talk about with you about moving on, the nature of the beast and everything. Uh, and that's the, the book with Doug Goldstein. That it's not happening, at least not with me. Uh, I bring Beta up now because there are a few things I'm not going to spoil. If, if Doug ever comes out with a book, I'm not going to spoil anything for you. But there's certain things that I feel as I was taking you, we were taking you along for this ride. I feel like you deserve to know now. I'm not going to give you over details. 
but there's certain things they think you need to know that uh, maybe the book or the first draft would have been done by now if I had my way. Um, but it's not. So it's, again, certain things that I want you to know. So uh, Beta basically saved Axel. I'm sure many of you know that. But when Stephanie Seymour uh, uh, was engaged to Axel Rose, Beta was the one that told Axel she's cheating. And that's underselling it, by the way. For now, that's all I can say is that um, Beta was the one that kind of got Axel out of that toxic relationship. And uh, you may know Axel offered her you know, a job because, well, she was going to be fired, right? You're, you know, you're working for me. That's what Stephanie would think. You're working for me and you hear you're, you're ratting me out. You know, you're gone. Why would you, why would she have a job with Stephanie Seymour after that? But Axel knew how much she loved Axel. She knew how much Axel loved Dylan, um, Stephanie's uh, Stephanie's son, and she told Axel, and that's so Axel's kind of a forever in gratitude for partially for that. And there's another thing I wanted to talk to you about again, not going into overt details because that's not my place right now. But I feel I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm taking a stand with certain things that I. I feel like you need to know. She also helped save uh, Axel from some, let's just say, suicidal tendencies. Not the band, but actual, you know, suicidal tendencies. And that also involved Doug uh, helping Axel. Some of you may know this because Doug has had, uh, even when we were working on the book, would have a habit of telling stories that I'm like, save it for the book, but it'll be on a, like when he did the reels thing, the reels uh, documentary, telling certain stories that I thought were going to be saved, or you know, I saw he would do other podcasts, tell stories. I'm just like, you're spoiling your own book. One of the mo- uh, whatever. That's neither here nor there. So let's get into it about the nature of the beast and everything, and the reason why I'm telling you this now in this way. So let's. I don't know. Maybe it's been a year. It's been more than a year and a half. Two years. I don't. I don't know if it's been quite two years that. Doug and I made the announcement on my podcast that we were working on his autobiography. And if you don't remember, Doug came to me with this. He, just like with all my guests, were just, you know, I interview them guests. Some I can be uh, friendly with on social media, but no one other than, let's just say, oddly enough, Alan Niven ever would just reach out to me to say hello and check in. Alan does it by email. Doug does it by phone. And uh, just to me, that's interesting. Phone's a little bit more personal. So when I would get just phone calls from Doug Goldstein randomly, I remember one time I got it randomly. Where were we uh, vacationing? I I forget. We might have been in uh, Chicago at this time. But I'm like, interesting. Like, Doug Goldstein, I'm telling my wife, like, this is Doug Goldstein, former Guns N' Roses manager. He's just, he wants to talk to me. He's just telling me stories, being, being nice. I'm like, all right, I'll be on the phone with him for a little bit. Cool, cool. And maybe he was just uh, doing his recon on me because he would eventually ask me to help write his autobiography that he's tried before, that there was an author, um, a journalist for Rolling Stone, Italy, that he tried with a few years ago. And the guy really wasn't as committed. Like, he just couldn't find the time. They had worked on an outline. Uh, they even sent me the outline to work with. But that was it. So he asked me, and I said to him like are you sure i mean this is obviously i I want to do this but i'm not by trade uh 
I mean, I am and I'm not. So this is part of it too. I am and I'm not uh, by trade or a writer or an author. I mean, I've been doing uh, creative writing since uh, grade school. That's always been kind of my focus. Uh, I'm not a math kid, not a science kid, even though I love science, not a social studies kid. I always went towards writing and public speaking. So yeah, that's that's kind of the way I was as, as a kid before any sort of uh, career manifested. You know, taking journalism in high school, doing that, and college, broadcast journalism, writing articles, and, um, you know, in addition to just, you know, typically just writing college papers, but I don't count that uh, sort of thing. And he also knew that I had, it's an odd story, <laughs> isn't it all odd? But when I moved up to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, for my first radio gig, that it was just a part-time gig and I had to find other work to survive. And one of which was at this, uh, it's called Hallett's Store, H-A-L-L-E-T apostrophe S, Hallett's. And it's been around for like over 100 years. And if you're familiar with Cape Cod at all, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, it's a very, it's a vacation uh, area, very old school. Uh, so a lot of stores are just old houses, you know, not very commercial there, just old, very, very towny, very, I don't know, I like very quaint, very quaint. It would be a beautiful place to live, but, well, winters, everything closes. But he himself, like Doug, wanted to write a book about his life, mainly about his family's life. So as I mentioned, the, the house is over 100 years old. It used to be a pharmacy, used to be um, a mail, a post office, and he had in the attic all these old documents and photographs and you know, just things from the town for years and years. And he always wanted to put together in a book. And he asked his son to do it with him. And his son had no interest. <laughs> so he sees my resume, which I applied to, you know, make fucking sandwiches in the back while trying to start my radio career. He's like, you have some writing experience. I would like to do this with you if you're up to it. And I'm like, okay, uh, how are we going to do it? He's like, I'll just tell you what to write. And you're just, he had dyslexia. You're going to help me. You know, we worked on it together. All winter, like eight-hour days, he paid me minimum wage. He would make me sandwiches, you know, lunch. He wasn't a rich guy at all, very salt of the earth, you know, made everything himself, you know, very DIY everything, including this book, this DIY, uh, the Howitt Family of Cape Cod book. Uh, I don't know, years ago, I, I think it was like up to like 500 copies that it sold or whatever. You know, it's, it makes me feel good. I, I, I used for years, I put that on my resume, you know, it's not like it's a war and peace. It's not like a ton of writing in it. So it's a lot of pictures, but it's still, I put together a self-published book. And also throughout my career, uh, there was a time I wanted to make, maybe go to, to journalism school and get my master's in journalism. So I was trying to get more writing experience and writing little articles for online outlets about, you know, sometimes it would be a charity, a golf outing for, or it would be this big thing at a school, like a school event, and I would cover these things. And that's how you, you do it. And as a reporter, you have to start out on small stories. And I was doing that. But radio is just where I, I love doing this. So I, I really didn't stick with, with the writing too much. So that kind of brings us, that's my experience with, with writing. And as you see, just by following this podcast, I'm not a good speller. I may not be the best grammar-wise, but I can, I'm good with the edit button. I, I think I write pretty well. If you look at all the summaries of these episodes, I think I write them pretty well. 
So I'm, I'm, I think I'm a, I'm pretty good writer, but I know I'm not a, a author by trade or a journalist by career. I'm a radio guy first, but I have a very strong background in writing. So Doug, this was like, okay, great. This is going to be good. Doug's like, I, you're the guy. Um, you have my best interest in mind. You know the material. Let's go. So as I'm sure I've said over the past year, over whatever episode I brought it up in, that we would do Zoom interviews and I would be talking to him for you know hour hour and a half two hours and it would be about a variety of topics or we would focus on one and i had to think of questions to ask if i wanted to move the conversation one way or the other or whatever so i would transcribe these through a transcription program and even then it's not perfect so i would go through it again and have it make sense because picture doug talking it's 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 doug he's very excitable he has a lot of things to say he's very intelligent uh but he's also, it's not like he's talking in a book way. He's not like chapter one, let's do this. He says, here's a story. Here's here's what I feel about this. And I got to make sure that's comprehensible and then find a place to put it and what makes sense. So this, this was a big puzzle piece, you know? Uh, so big puzzle piece. And then maybe it was like a X amount of months into it, maybe even a year into it. He's like, Anthony Boza contacted me. Anthony, you may know, wrote Slash's book or co-wrote Slash's book, uh, Tommy Lee's book, a, a, a bunch of other. Uh, he's legit, like a legit author. And I thought Doug was going to be like, you know, I think I should go with him, Brandon. Uh, I'm sorry. There was no deadline, but Doug always said, I want to be able to almost tour with Guns N' Roses, so to speak. He would be like Pete Rose signing autographs outside the Hall of Fame. Like, he wouldn't be allowed in, but he wants to be there, you know. He wants to be where the action is. And I got that. And who knows? I don't know if Guns N' Roses is ever going to stop touring. So is there really a deadline? But still, we didn't want this taking a Chinese democracy ever amount of time. But um, unlike the self-published book, I'm not doing this eight hours a day. Uh, I, I can't. I have other jobs. I'm not. I wasn't getting. I haven't. I'm not even getting paid to work with Doug. This was always about an end result situation, and that was always understood. So cool. Then after a while, we have like a bunch. We have you know close to two hundred pages. I've uh, yeah close to two hundred pages of organized thoughts, organized, and then through that. I had to, I'm like, okay, what makes sense for chapters? But even before, so I had like these, that's what I did. I actually had like chapters. Like, would they have been the final product? I don't, I don't know, but it helped me create a flow and where to put things. Cause as we all do, I do it, you repeat things. And it's like, you know what? You said this before. I can either get rid of it or I can move it back. I like the way you said it this way better. Again, a puzzle piece, moving things around. Doug goes, uh, I, I think we should be getting paid to, to do this. Oh, well, yeah, cool. Let's let's get paid to do this. Uh, so he went to a, uh, a marketing, uh, a literary agency guy. And for a lack of, for me to not be vague and not be confusing about it and also protect names, let's just call him Jack from Folio Marketing. Let's call him that. So we went to this Jack and 
we like okay what do we need you know what are we going to need for a book and he he sends us what I'm sure he sends all his authors on this agency a to-do list things to have and it was a lot very overwhelming and stuff like especially the stuff that includes marketing which is not I'm not a marketing person so I'm like all right well I'll find help I'll figure out a way how to get this done for him but there was a you know and there he wanted a one page summary of the book uh, book yeah I guess a one page summary then a three to five page expansion of that and I wrote those two things and it's funny I sent them to my my therapist by the way I, I want to be honest I stopped <laughs> I stopped think, seeing my therapist uh, a few months ago uh, we, we'll still text every now and then but now with this point in my life I don't know I, I've gotten tired of hearing myself complain about things and I want to focus on the family I have now and grow that like without her I would not have been able to get this point in my life and I'm forever indebted I'm still on my medication uh, but maybe I'll go back but I wanted to let you guys because I'm going to keep everything completely real and honest and I've spoken about therapy and that was spoken about in the book so I mean I'm really emotionally invested in this book talking about Axel's mental health and Duff's mental health and Doug's mental health and, and perhaps I you know my mental health was helping shape these stories given with my stories that you may not know that throughout my 20s I didn't want to be here uh, that I had a dad that committed suicide uh, it's I felt like I'm like I'm the right guy more than just the Guns N' Roses reasons but the mental health reason this was not just going to be a a tell all from an ex-manager this was going to be a book you learn from and a book that makes you feel included you know all through Guns N' Roses like how I do this podcast essentially but using Doug's stories different different so i get the stuff i give it to this guy jack he's like what what is this this is no no i'm sorry this is not going to work out speaks to doug first apparently tells doug that i'm not the guy he needs to find somebody else he ends up speaking to me on the phone and after doug said like no brandon is the guy this guy jack is still telling me he's like I, you know, I, I, you're, you could be, you know, you could write well now, but you don't have those years of experience, which is what's required for this. You don't write like an author. I'm not trying to write like an author. I'm trying to write like Doug. This is Doug's story and his words. I'm not writing War and Peace. I'm not writing um, a big thing. When I did... <laughs> It's really funny. So these are a couple of things that, that tie in. I'm like, okay, what am I missing here? But what I'm missing is that I'm not a huge... <laughs> it goes, it's parallel with podcasting. Yeah, I do a podcast, but I don't really listen to podcasts. I'm just... I'm a radio guy. I'm a music guy. Uh, but with reading, I don't really read. <laughs> it's like, how am I writing a book when I don't read? I did go through a major, major phase of reading in my early 20s. And I did read Anthony Bose's books. Uh, Tommy Land and Slash I did read those books so I've read most of my life I have it's been mostly rock autobiographies but another author that I really feel makes me even though I'm not technically an author it makes me know what to look for and what I want and is a great example if you know who he is you should hopefully uh, is Mitch Album his fam- most famous book is probably uh, Tuesdays with Maury 
He wrote, also wrote the, the Five People You Meet in Heaven. He's written a lot of great books. And I was doing reading his books to kind of heal at the time. When my grandpa was dying, I was taking care of him. So it was kind of like Tuesdays. I used to call, uh, instead of Tuesdays with, uh, with Maury, it was Mondays with Martin. My grandpa, his name was Martin. So it was helping me get through stuff. And the way he wrote, wow. Uh, I still remember it's just like it's picking up on not just the dialogue between two people and making you think it's the description of the, the, the homes and the floor and the carpeting and then what people were wearing and everything was just so vivid. I'm like, wow, I naturally do not have that. That is something I have to work on. And I'm aware of that. But this guy that I sent, Jack, knows that we're not even up to that part yet. We have the meat and potatoes. Like... I'm getting stories about Doug's childhood, but I don't know what his dad looks like yet because I don't want to deviate from the stories. Oh, well, my dad's this and this going on with this happened, this happened. Oh, well, what color is his hair? I'll ask that later and put it in. But it's like he didn't see this. He didn't understand that, which is just flabbergasting to me. It's like I'm not sending you finished stuff. I'm letting you know where we're at and to go forward. And all this guy wanted to do was tell Doug to get rid of me and would give me, all right, you know what, work on this. You know, you keep saying you have, you know, X amount of pages, this and that. You know, uh, you were working on this for a year. You should have more for a year. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who the fuck are you telling me what I should have done this past year? He doesn't know I got married. Doesn't know I got into a car accident. Doesn't know about my other jobs. Fuck you. Are you paying me? You paying me, asshole? No, he's not. So if I'm angry at anybody, I'm angry at this guy, Jack. Uh, as, as I guess you should be too, this guy, Jack. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to be angry in this portion of our conversation today. So, But if there is any, it's towards this guy. Because it goes to show you sometimes uh, people at the top have no idea what they're talking about. Or, or just are not the... Um, they're not good bosses. They might have... They, they're, they're checking. They have check boxes of what they need to do as a boss. But there's no real understanding. There's no real understanding of the material. And they just know, you know, does it feel A, B, C, and D? Okay. But anything outside of that, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't handle this. So I, I took time. He gave me a deadline, which I couldn't believe. Again, like, who the fuck are you? And Doug was fought for a, a longer deadline for me. I'm like, all right, fine. So this was back in September. And I'm like, here are the two most shaped chapters that you can read about from now on. And, and what I was able to do, but not to the extent that I wanted, and this was uh, a challenge, was having not just me read it, but Doug read it. And Doug read the, did read those, but I don't think we spent the amount of time of like, Okay, I've read this chapter. I've done this chapter over 10 times now. I, th I feel like I need you to read it too and we need to go to somebody else to make this. It's still not ready. And that's why I said they're, they're shaped chapters. They're not ready. But again, this is going to help paint a picture because this guy was like character building. Yeah, no shit character building. Like you're, you're seeing a minor part of the bigger picture. Like, how many times in a movie are you watching it and they kind of go right into the story and you don't find out about the characters until later? You got to hang on. You got to put the pieces together. Are you going to be spoon-fed everything right away like an idiot? I don't think so. So I, it was, I, I was like, what are you talking about? Give me something that I can fix. 
instead of telling me things I already know. And the guy, Jack, never did. He kept saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not seeing it here, or nothing ever specific to the book or Doug's stories. Nothing. It makes me think of like he may have glossed over it and didn't really spend any true time on it and just had it in his mind right away that I want Doug working with somebody else because this guy's not a professional and I can't market this guy. I can't market him because this isn't like it's a book from Izzy Stradlin that could possibly sell by on its own. Doug's book might need a little help with the marketing because he's not a household name. He is with us Gunter Roses fans. So I think that's what this guy saw. Didn't see enough from me or, or didn't allow me the time. It's just like we, there was, it didn't have what I needed. I didn't have what I needed. And Doug knew that. He knows that. And it got to a point where I said to Doug, look, you know, I have other things I need to focus on. You know, this past year I've dealt with a lot. I've spent a lot of time on the book. Uh, I was happy not to do as many episodes this year, even though we did plenty. Uh, one for my two, and two to focus on the book because I want this to happen. But it, this is your story, and even though you said at the beginning, which is true, he's like, "This is fifty-fifty between us," and I said, "Maybe sixty-four to you because it's your story and you're you asked me to be a part of this." That's how that's. We were on same page, you know, out for each other's best interests. And Doug's like, oh, maybe this could be a, a new career for you and help you in your life. Wow. Great. I never really, I enjoy doing podcasting and radio more than writing, but still, I mean, this is just a wonderful opportunity. Uh, but I, I'd say to Doug, like, just tell me what you want to do. If you feel like you need to stay with this agency, um, because obviously there's a million, there's so many literary agencies there. And not to over-explain uh, for Doug's benefit, but it's not this, that this guy, Jack, is friends with Doug. But there's a connection there that Doug doesn't want to ruin and wants wanted it to work out. He, want, he wanted it to work out with me and Jack. And it's like, I'm not getting from him what I need. And he says I'm not giving him what he needs, but he's... We're not on the same wavelength. I think he's already made his decision. Uh, he's not going to give me another X amount of months or a year. And I need that time from you, Doug, too. And it's it's difficult. You know, I'm. it's so funny. I've never met Doug actually physically in person. So many hours spent talking on the phone or on, on Zoom. And he's got a busy life. He's a lot of stuff going on uh, with his job, his family, and things going on. But he's kind of got to a point where... Like we're not connecting. Like I'm, I'm, it's another wasted weekend of me not doing anything that I could be doing for the book. I was always working on something like editing, but I'm like I'm not still getting the material I need. Where I, I should be working on this eight hours a day. Uh, we should be working on this eight hours a day or hours and hours a day, and that's it is hard. And some of the fall comes on me because to put that amount of time into a book when you have other stuff going on is a lot and you're not getting paid for it Doug knew that so that's why it was like a pressure free environment we were having fun with it that's what we want that's the whole po- that was the whole point of it and to bring you along the fans that's why Doug wanted to make the, make the announcement on the podcast to, to you the listener to ask you to submit questions to my um, the, the podcast email we were supposed to do a podcast 
talking to you about the questions in the update with the book, and that never happened. I gave a date, I think, on it, and it it never happened. And it just got frustrating. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, what is this? I, I want to do this. My heart's in this. But I think this, this guy threw a, a monkey wrench that just unfortunately was too... Uh, it was thrown too hard to work around. So it just became frustrating. And, and Doug tried to think of a solution that would work for me. And it just wasn't working. You know, other than let's just keep going. And unfortunately, it's not going to work out with this guy because he doesn't want to work with me. I don't know what else to tell you. And I, I unfortunately have had to make the decision to be like, I, I'm out. I'm out. I, you're, he's not saying it. Bless Doug, okay? Bless him. He, I've had many a wonderful conversation with him, you know, uh, but just uh, he wasn't give, He wasn't then giving me the answer that I needed. Okay, Brandon, you know, I'm sorry this didn't work out. Okay, let's let's move on to this. Nothing was definitive, and I'm like, I can't. It's unfair to me, and I think it's unfair to you. Because again, with this, the the book was incorporated into the podcast, and I just feel like I. Almost, I have to be quiet. I have to be silenced about it. No, no, no. That's not how I am. That's just not how I am. I, I, I am a very on, open and honest person. I know, much like the Rolling Stone article, that I kept it quiet for almost a year, when not to say things, when to say things. But it gets to a point where you need to say something because other people are involved, and in, in those other people are you. So I, I need to move on in, in 2023 uh, focus more on this podcast of course focus on my family and everything like that <laughs> I, I guess I like that's a minor stuff but I want this podcast has to be taken to another level and I really want this to be the year to do that and I can't have anything pulling me down and it sucks because Doug has been uh, a very wonderful part of this podcast that I I just right now he you know I don't foresee an episode with with him right now uh because it's just kind of awkward for me and he's gotten some great guests on the show too but i've obviously done enough on my own so it's just i i wanted to i wanted to have a happy ending at some point but but right now no i i I have to move on i have to move on from the book uh and and i guess can't do it anymore because it's just bummed me out it was affecting me mentally am i that bad of a writer like am i Am I dumb? Do I write like an idiot? Am I stupid? Like, wh- what am I missing here? So actually what I did, and this was um, great advice from my therapist before I, I stopped seeing her, was get a book under his umbrella of Fulio Marketing. Get a, uh, read it, see what you're missing. Because you're not reading books. You've read a lot of books. You have a lot of, um, you know, history with writing. She's obviously intelligent being a therapist. Her husband works at NASA and they they read my what I sent them and they thought it was brilliant and they don't even like Guns N' Roses and they liked it. I'm like, "Okay, but I'm all but I'm not like, "Oh, they like it. That means it's great." You know, I I'm somebody that I want you to tell me when something's wrong. How can I make it better because of how much I doubt myself. So if you tell me it's perfect, I'm going to be like, "No, it's not." No, it's not perfect. But at the same time, when you tell me it's shit and I know it's not shit, Come on. So I, I, I at least have some confidence in, in myself. But what I did 
is I bought Lita Ford's book. And she actually thanks this guy, Jack, um, her first thank you in the back of the book. And I'm like, really? So I I didn't finish it, but I read the first well over 100 pages. That's that's enough. That's some more pages that I've read in a book in, in years. And boy, I don't know if you've read Lita Ford's book. I mean, it's a, a very color-by-numbers rock star autobiography. It, it really is, and if anything... It's less than because there are parts of our story. I'm like, that's it. We're moving on to the next thing already. I, I want to know more. How about you? You feel about this? And there was literally an entire paragraph where every sentence started with the word I. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? That is like I would have gotten a like a C on that paper. I no, no, you're you're that uncreative come on like what is this and another thing this guy had mentioned was like you're writing like well this then this happened and then that happened and then this happened yeah that's how you move forward in a story that's how you move forward but you're not doing it back to back to back you're putting things in there but I would read things in Alita Ford's book well yeah and that's when this happened and then that's when this happened and I, I called this guy out on it and he, the emails got angrier from him I'm like dude I don't know where this is going I'm just trying to write a book here and you're, you're not you keep giving me roadblocks you're not helping me at all How, help me help me get to this where you want it and he just never did so to me that's a bad boss Doug thinks he has no ulterior motives but I'm sure he has a friend that he wants to recommend. And look, if I don't, I, I don't know if Doug's working on a, a, his books with somebody else right now. I don't. It's not my business anymore. It's not going to be the same as if it was with me. I'll tell you that right now. But the again, I'm not going to go out and <laughs> spoil any of his stories. But I mean, it was important for you to know, and it was important for me to know. Uh, what Beta did for Axel and how important she is to him and that family is to him. Uh, so they're not going anywhere. You know, a Rick Dunsford article or not, they're not going anywhere. You know, Doug was very important to to Axel for a very long time. And I respect that. I really do. That's it, I guess. That's a bummer. I know. It It really is a bummer. But it's a, a life lesson, I suppose. Uh, I certainly know a lot more about Guns N' Roses <laughs> through this process than I did before. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, being a Guns N' Roses fan now, all we really want is new music and to enjoy this band now. I mean, the past is fun to talk about, of course. That's what this podcast is. A lot of it's built on. But... Let's let's. I'm looking forward to seeing what 2023 brings for the podcast for Guns N' Roses and and see what's to come. And as I mentioned, just because you know, I was like, what am I doing? I'm not working on this book now. That's when I decided to launch Appetite for Horror. So you can find my spinoff podcast, Appetite for Horror, on our YouTube page, Appetite for Distortion YouTube page. I made a playlist of just Appetite for Horror. It's on iHeartRadio. It's on um, Spotify. It's uh, we got social media. Appetite for Horror on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, check it out. Guests so far have been with some actors and producers from Terrifier and Terrifier Two. Very, 
very violent, uh, very violent and evil clown movies. Love it. Uh, Tales from the Crypt, Al Katz from Tales from the Crypt. We talked about his Slash episode. Very small part, but him like, hanging out on uh, on set for days, even though his part was so small. Uh, which sounds his part was so small. That sounds weird out of context. <laughs> uh, we also spoke with Ace, Ace Von Johnson of LA Guns. You would think I would have him on this podcast, but he's such a horror freak. Let's have him on Appetite for Horror. And he's also was a part of this documentary called The History of Metal and Horror. I had that that uh, the director of that on as well. And the most recent episode is with Michael Jai White, Spawn. So that was pretty cool. So I'm getting some cool guests. But the listenership, not a lot of people know about it yet. You know, it's my social media is not anywhere near what Appetite for Distortion is. So if you like horror also, please like Appetite for Horror. Okay, so it's it's going to be fun. And we're going to see where that goes. I had no idea where this podcast would go. You know, six years later, seven years later, and look at all the amazing people we've spoken to. Who knows where this horror podcast is going to go to. So this is fun. This is what I want to focus on. This is what... I can control this year is appetite for distortion, appetite for horror, and you coming along for the ride. That's been the best part of doing these podcasts. Because if I'm just talking to, with Michael Jai White, big name, uh, got more listeners for that episode, but still, it's like, okay, it was a cool experience, but not a lot of people are hearing it, or as much as people would hear uh, something from appetite for distortion. It's just like I want to be able to share these experiences with you, which is what the book was. It was a unique thing. So this podcast is a unique thing because I don't know if anyone brings you along quite like I do. I hope not. We'll see. Again, Six Degrees of GNR Bacon. Uh, that's what we do here. So it's Six Degrees of Horror there. Whatever works. So if you want to be a guest on Appetite for Horror or a co-host, I should say, the way like I've done it on Appetite for Distortion, we could do that. Absolutely. But who's to come in 2023? Well, uh, I will tell you the only interview I booked so far, because I've just been waiting to get this conversation out with you. And thank you I, if you've made it this far for letting me talk a bit, <laughs> a bit. Uh, we're going to get Sean Bevan back on the podcast, uh, one of the producers for Chinese Democracy. So he'll be on later in January. And I'm going to get to it, man. The, the holidays are over. New Year's is over. I'm going to get to sending a... I'm getting a tooth in a few days. I'm going to start going pretty hardcore with guests. And we'll see what happens there. So not just follow Appetite for Horror. Follow Appetite for Distortion. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. And yes, even TikTok. I'm on TikTok. Uh, I think what I'm going to do also when I get my tooth back is I'm going to do more TikToks. Ugh. Wow, I'm really a sellout there. Because right now it's all um, just clips you would find on YouTube or any highlights from the show. But what I think I'm going to do on TikTok is uh, maybe talk more about mental health and show you, you know, the, the, the studio and maybe me singing to my cats. I don't know. It's, people do stupid things there. It's all in the name of getting more eyes on Appetite for Distortion. And that will allow us to do more things. It will. And you know what? Because I did reach out, speaking of more things, I did reach out to a, a journalist friend of mine to possibly co-write Doug's book with me, and maybe that would that would help. And he was he he gave me the crit, uh, criticism, the critique that 
uh, Jack couldn't give me. And I was like, you got it from the word go. He said, what you sent me was a kick-ass demo reel. Now go finish the album. That's exactly what I did. I made a kick-ass demo reel, rough draft, or whatever you want to call it. You know, rough, rough of a rough draft. But you should be able to see the big picture. And how was my journalist friend able to see it? And this guy wasn't. Whatever. Moving on. Moving on. This year, 2023. That's where we're at. So, but the conversation always continues on Appetite for Distortion on social media. So, even when you don't see an episode, like, oh, it's been a week. It's been, like, maybe two weeks. Check in on social media. I'm keeping you updated. Don't you worry. So, when will you see the next episode of Appetite for Distortion? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. security, I'm going home.